Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 88. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. We're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's movie and pop culture blind spots. Each episode, one of us gets to choose a movie or television show the other person has most of the time never seen before. Most of the time. And then we bring it here to unpack for you. If you want to, if you want to do an unboxing of such things, we can do that. We do do that? We don't do unboxings. We will do that. It was weird to do unboxings on the radio or whatever this well, is. Well, we unpack. Podcast. We unpack. We don't unbox. Yes. Like, Nobody wants to unbox oh, look, our opinions. It's in a little, yeah, it's in a little plastic envelope. <laughs> However, net, hold that thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> last time it was your turn to choose. That was. Which last makes time. it my turn to choose. Okay. Because that's how sharing works. Yeah, maybe we should just do another version of this show where we don't share and we have to, like, arm wrestle for okay. who gets well, to Well, I'm very familiar with sharing. I had a brother who was only slightly younger than me, so... You okay. might not have had to share as much since your sister was significantly older, you know, so... No, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing to say. <laughs> yes. Let's, this will be stricken from the record. Yes. <laughs> um, so it was my choice. My choice? My turn to choose. And I chose... The 1993 film, I'm going to get it wrong, 32 short films about Glenn Gould. Yes. Who is a real person. Tell me about Glenn Gould. Um, I learned that he's a real person, which I had no idea. Did, um. <laughs> did you know he was a real person in the 10 seconds when I said what we were going to watch and then I pressed play? I had no, I didn't know. You, you started it and I was like, okay, so it could have been... And like could have been guy smiling. It could have been, been like a made up person. It could have been um, um, like Zelig. Yeah, or um, uh, don't stop, never stopping. You know, right? <laughs> a, 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 re, a rockumentary, but like a classical. Yeah, a documentary. Yeah, or there was one that uh, John C. Riley did that was like a um, Johnny Cash esque, yeah. which was pretty funny. Um, but I've only seen it once. So. Okay, so. <laughs> Interestingly, this movie is often classified as a documentary. Yeah. Maybe an experimental documentary. What do you think it is? Is um, it a documentary? It reminded me a lot of, and I we probably talked about this on the show, and maybe we should do it on the show at this po- at some point, but um, Stories We Tell, which is another Canadian documentary-ish-esque. Well, it is Canadian. And it's it by is Sarah a doc- Polly. Well, no, that was oh. the esque is not the Canadianness. Okay, <laughs> it's the documentary part that's the esque. It's only Canadian-ish. <laughs> no, it's fully I, it's Canadian. Fu- it's fully Canadian. It's only partly documentary. It's only partly documentary. Yes, so that's the point I was trying okay. to make. <laughs> so, um, Glenn Gould was one of the world's most renowned concert pianists. I said I wasn't going to say that word and I wasn't going to pronounce it like you that. You told me not to say it, but okay. apparently you can say it. I didn't know I was going to say it until it came out. So, um, he lived from 1932 to 1982. He only lived to be 50 years old. So, he... I. This is why I didn't... Well, there's several reasons why I didn't see this film, but... And I didn't... And several reasons why I didn't know he was a real person, because, like, one, my knowledge of, like, classical music is fairly limited, like, although Bach is, like, probably my favorite composer, but, like, you know, I don't, I sort of just, like, way into cello and not really into his other work all that much, so, um, I just didn't know this person existed in 
the real world. Um, I was like, are they related to Elliot Gould? I mean, like, who is this person? You know, so. So, I mean, <laughs> we could sketch in a little bit about who he is. Well, and he died, like, I was, like, you the day, one. The you day before not, I turned yeah. one years old. He, you did not he died. see so, the newspaper like, he that didn't, day. I wasn't ever aware of him as, like, you know, like, I know who Yo-Yo Ma is. I, like, you know, I know who some, you know, famous so, classical performers are, but I had never heard of him. I guess I can divert into yeah. where this comes from in my yeah. history, because as a child of the 70s... Yes, a child of the 70s. Now let's remind me of that song by Icona Sa- Pop. Sounds of the 70s. Um, <laughs> I'm from the 70s. <laughs> and I'm a 90s bitch. Exactly. Um, so my mom was... Uh, my mom, I can't say it, my mom played the piano. Yes. She was not a concert <laughs> pianist. Yes. Let's go with that pronunciation. Okay. However, she did study classical piano for many years, and mm. she did recitals, and, and she actually was a piano teacher. So growing up in the 70s, I heard the name Glenn Gould. I knew some. I knew that he existed. Mm. We had some of the records. Um, so I was familiar with him, and I would probably would have recognized him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> from seeing the covers and stuff, the records and stuff like that. But I didn't know his music at all. So this movie comes along. <laughs> Someday we're going to go back and look at the... I'm going to tabulate this sometime. Mm. This movie comes out in 1993. Do you know how many movies we've covered from 1993 all, on this show? All the movies from 1993. Wasn't, didn't we just do The Piano from 1990? Wasn't that 1993? Uh, yeah, maybe. I know. We've done... We did The Remains of the Day. Yeah. 1993. Yes. This was apparently an important year for me. We've we've talked about that a little bit before. I'm just I'm just coming out of film school and I like to see the most the weirdest and most interesting well, I like to see everything. That's a, see, but that's another reason I didn't see this is that um, You weren't in film school then? Yeah. Well, I was ninety three, I was like eleven. But um like it took in where I grew up in the world, like it takes like a long time. Like even if something like does really well at the palm you know, I can, not the palm. When's the Palm Dior is what I was thinking, but something. I know where the, you're going with this. Something does really well on the film set. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. It takes it a while to get to Lubbock. You know, it's like, and it probably would never play in the theaters. It probably would just be like we ordered one copy for the Barnes and Noble on Ninth Street. No, but Street, it might have know? later played at the. Not I mean, Barnes it would have been Noble. the kind of thing that might play at the Angelica or like a landmark uh, so cinema. Closest Angelica was in Dallas at the time, mm-hmm. so you know. <laughs> and you were 12 it was or like whatever. like five and a half hours away. So um. so I actually don't remember the circumstances under which I saw this. Yeah. I just know that I like to see everything. And I already had, I already kind of fell, not deeply, but I, I we've already, we covered Adam Agoyan, another yeah. of the Canadian New Wave, like my guy. I like a lot of his movies that came out in the 90s. We did Exotica on the show. And this came out around that same time. Maybe this is maybe that's the same year too. Is that also nineteen ninety three? I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. It might be ninety four. Um, so uh, I I had never seen anything like this. I'd never seen a, 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 a I don't I don't I didn't know how to classify it. It's not really a documentary. It's not really a narrative. It lies somewhere in between. It has this format of having thirty two short films in it. So, um, 
Yeah, you're going to see 31 probably on the list. That we yeah, have. because the last one is end credits, which are now, not a, a I, short film. So I disagree. <laughs> I, I, I wish to protest the list of that's uh, offered on uh, okay. on uh, Wikipedia, but this was the closest thing I could find. Okay. To what I actually think is, um, yeah, I think they missed something. Okay, I see. But uh, I also thought maybe they weren't counting... This is getting into too much detail. The first one I thought, and the last one I thought they were counting as the same film, but it does look like they're counting them as two different films. They did count films. them separately on this list, so. Dave and Ashley talked anyway, about lists. I was 100% certain you'd never seen this movie or heard of it, <laughs> nope. and I just wanted to throw something weird and unusual that kind of pushes the boundaries of, of you know, biopic. Yeah. I hate that word so much. <laughs> <laughs> biopic? <laughs> And um, I have a fondness for movies that ha- that have games and, uh, you know, unique and interesting ways of uh, working, yeah. being a, a film, you yeah. know, as cinema with all the different whistles and bells and stuff like that. So that's how, that's how it came about that uh, we chose this movie. We meaning me and myself. You know, it's interesting, like... Like, I feel like in modern popular culture, like, classical music has sort of been sort of, like, relegated to, like, a side thing. But it's surprising how often it comes up in, like, literary film and literary novels and stuff like that. Like, I think that I've read and seen more movies about classical music than, like, I've experienced actual, you know performances in my lifetime you know i do enjoy classical music but like it's not like easy to stumble across in your daily life you kind of have to go like looking for it you know so so it's it's interesting that it um there's something about it that people like to tell stories about it and they see a lot of um i don't know total parallels in the human condition um i don't know it's interesting that a lot of people are inspired to tell stories with, with like violins yeah. and you know, like that that other film that we saw the, the Which one? the one about the violin people. The violin people. Did you say violin people? I did say violin. Which people. one did we see with violin people? <laughs> didn't we not do it for the podcast? It was. I don't know. Oh no, we didn't do that for the podcast. Okay. So we just un- watched the that. French film Encore en Hiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we never did a podcast. Uh, okay, I thought we, we were. We were do just sitting around one day, and I made you watch a French movie. Okay, well that happened. It was wasted. It could have been on the podcast. But yeah, we didn't it seems do it. like it. It would have been a good podcast. Well, it was on my short list, but we yeah. didn't. We weren't making a podcast that day. Yeah. So. So, I don't know how we want to approach this since there's like 32 films. No, well, I mean, I I want to just fill in a little bit about yeah him and his personality and, and something about just, just how to, without going into detail on the, the separate film so far, really kind of like just explaining for those who haven't seen it or don't know anything about it, that it is not a linear, um, single story. Yes. It's, it's, there's, it's the, it's a portrait of him, his art and his personality, who he was and some aspects of his life. But um, but in these little fragments. It's roughly chronological, but, like, there's no, like, through line that would make it clear that 
that it is. It doesn't really have. I mean, I mean, it this... starts with like I was born essentially. Of course, yeah. And then it ends with I am dead. You know, so he doesn't actually say doesn't... I am dead. Though. I know, that's I know. Your, but... your, that's your. Uh, <laughs> he also does not say I am born. I'm just quoting Charles Dickens or whatever. So yeah, so... it's roughly chronological, except for the weird fragments and yeah. the abstract games and experimental things like animation and stuff like yeah. that. But um, so you're not just telling the story of a person's life. You're giving a sense of who they are mm-hmm. and something about his eccentricity yeah. and his genius. He was a, he was a prodigy. He was he did his first performance at age five or something like that. He's yeah. known for his in, his interpretations of Bach and Beethoven primarily. Um, and the structure of the 32 films comes from the Goldberg variations. Okay. Um, I, I was like, why 32? And apparently Goldberg variations has 31 variations and one aria, which is, is okay. what I read, but I don't know why the numbering doesn't quite work. Up, and if I'm up. wrong, I'm not a, a cla- I'm not a, uh, I don't know yeah, that much about, about classical music, <laughs> but, um, my little cursory research into <laughs> at least connected this to the, the Goldberg variations gave the number and the structure, which is also kind of interesting that there's this number game to it because he was, seemed to be kind of obsessed or interested in numbers and yeah. even numerology to a certain extent, or even had superstitions and maybe even a little bit of, of obsessive compulsive um, thoughts yeah, about he- numbers. He didn't like things that added up to 13. That was like a thing he was concerned about. I can't remember if that was actually him or that that was Schoenberg, who he was yeah. obsessed with, but then it made him think there was something yeah, to that. Yeah, he was worried about yeah. <laughs> being 49, but then yeah. he did, He made it past 49. So. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, he was kind of an interesting guy, and, like, one of the things I noticed when I was reading some sort of descriptions of him and his life is that like, I mean, like he had what we now would probably easily recognize as autism, you know, um, he probably was autistic. Um, they just didn't have that, that sort of, I mean, I think they and were I know just it's, barely starting to diagnose it in the seventies. So. I know it's been speculated by some of the people who studied his life, yeah. but I don't know that it's widely said he was autistic. No, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it didn't say that in. But there's, like, there's also um, theories that he uh, had bipolar disorder, mm. or even both. Well, it could be both, right? Why not both? Because apparently he he would go for days without sleeping mm. and was and was in that really heightened, erratic, like, passionate, yeah. you know, mode of, of talking well, for hours or playing for hours and forgetting to eat and stuff like that. I think that the thing that got it for me is that he, like, had to have this, like, hyper control over his environment and, like, so much so that he stopped performing concerts in his 30s because he preferred the sort of control of a recording studio, you know, where where he could, you know, control the instrument that he's playing and control the temperature of the room and, you know, any ambient noises and, and all of that stuff. Um, you know, that just that just strikes me as as someone who feels like in order to perform the best, they have to control their environment, which, you know, I know from like um, Hannah Gadsby, who's uh, an autistic comedian, um, like 
her experience as a performer is all about controlling her environment right. so that she can do the best possible performance, you know, because otherwise it can lead to, you know, distraction and, and, you know, um, not, not optimum performing, you know, experiences. So yeah. Anyway, that's so just, he, yeah, he quit, uh, performing at age 31. Yeah. Yeah. And became increasingly, obsessed and interested in the perfectionist the perfectionism of getting the perfect recording to some extent yeah because he's also <laughs> he's also known for um for like humming and making vocalizations yeah. and stuff on the recordings that the engineers aren't always able to wipe well, out of the recording like when his mom was teaching yeah. him like she taught him to sing yeah um it's interesting because like when i'm playing bass i learn where the notes are going to be by humming them to myself yeah, in yeah. my head, you know, That's so cool. I can see it could ease in, <laughs> easily. And so like when I'm playing, sometimes I'm like in my head kind of humming along with yeah. the line that I'm supposed to be playing. So like, I get that. Um, other thing I think is interesting, which is like just kind of dropped in there, which is that, um, on the, um, the, um, what do you call them? The space roving, the Voyager, the one Voyagers and two. one and two, like the gold record that's in there has his version of the Bach piece that's on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's floating around in, he's in left space. A, he left the, the uh, solar system decades ago. Yeah, and his, and his music <laughs> is out there in case extraterrestrials ever so find. I didn't. Uh, I mean, like I knew that existed. I just yeah. didn't know he's the one who's, yeah. whose Bach is on. Yeah, is on the so, Voyager. So and he's too. really well known for his, in particular, his Bach uh-huh. uh, um, performances. Um, I think he, there was another one that he focused on, but Bach was like the big one that he was really interested in. The and and like I haven't studied Bach yeah. a lot, but I know that like mathematically, Bach is very intriguing in in certain ways. I mean, I, I think there's a reason why it's so pleasing, you know, to certain you know minds. That that are into that stuff. That's like, reminding me of the yeah. book my dad had. Grow- so I've never read it, but yeah. called Goodell Escher Bach. Mm. That's com- that's kind of looks at mathematics and the art of Escher and the music of Bach, and is looking at the. That's that's yeah. fascinating because like <laughs> the other thing is that um, you would never know this unless I told you, but like Escher was like the first artist that I kind yeah. of like really connected yeah. with. Um, my sister was super into yeah. Escher too. So. Um, yeah. Um, so there Do you is like something, cities that fold in on themselves? There's something, and, uh, yeah, there's something pleasing about the... the and like when you're discovering that, the, that sort of mathematical significance, yeah. like um, we studied the Shakespeare sonnets, which are set up in this interesting mathematical fashion, which I would need to read about again to... Um, but I love that kind of stuff, you know, that there's, there's this sort of like underlying pattern to right. the thing. So like it's fascinating to me. I didn't... See the thing about the Goldberg variations, but I'd love to go read about that because I'm like way into that sort of like underlying. I don't think I ever <laughs> yeah. read that or looked it up before, but yeah. this time I was I was seriously like, why 32? There's got to be a reason for 32, yeah. especially because and um, and the, I think it was because uh, um, when I was preparing my notes, I was listening. I found on Spotify the soundtrack yeah. of 32 short films about Glenn Gould, which are the Glenn Gould performances that they use in the thing. And one of them was 32 variations, yeah. you know, variation number, blah, blah. And I was like, 
Oh, yeah. and then I had to look it up and, yeah. and kind of read about the Goldberg variations a little. So, um, I want to, I just want be, I want to kind of, we've said it's not, it's not a straightforward narrative yeah. biography. It, it doesn't, it's not a story. I mean, it's not a, it's not a narrative film, Yeah. but it's got elements of a narrative film, but it's got elements of documentary. So I just want to explain or address like the kinds of pieces that it has. I think yeah. there's probably three or four different types of short films in the, you know, that make the whole. Mm-hmm. And so they're the documentary parts are like the interview the interview segments, but we never see Glenn Gould. Glenn Gould is is played by the actor Colm Fior, yeah, great Canadian actor, stage and theater, and I mean stage and TV and film, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so we we have the interview segments. We have these uh, sort of scenes he embodies Gould mm-hmm. he there are reenactments he plays him in interview settings um anytime you see Gould on screen he's played by Colm Fior or a child or the child in the yeah. first segment in the or first two. segment yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then the third I think the third type of film are the this sort of weird abstract yeah, yeah. Experimental things. There's animation. There's the interior of the piano. There's um, uh, the body, the body playing the piano. X-ray under X-ray. So mm. yeah. <laughs> um, stuff like that. And I'm not sure if I'm missing anything, but I feel like those are the, the kinds the of fragments there segments. are. Yeah. And those are actual interviews. Yeah. Those are. It's almost like they could have started to make a straight lace. <laughs> documentary mm-hmm. about uh, Glenn Gould and and they gathered the, these interviews of people who collaborated with him, worked with him, knew him, his cousin Jesse, that woman at the end. Well, that um, that was my first when when we got to that first interview segment. Yeah. That was when I first realized, oh, okay, well this might be a real person. <laughs> cuz I should like, have told you at that least didn't that look like an a, actor. Um, yeah. But it's interesting cuz the the parts where he's sort of reacting um and reenacting sort of events in, in, in Gould's life. Like that's the part that's kind of like stories we tell, you know, um, where, you know, you're telling the story and it looks like it could be like found footage or, or whatever, but it's actually like an actor reenacting, you know, what's being described or, or, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's been a while, you know. <laughs> There's a statute of limitations on Yeah, uh, that movie's on the been out like 10 years or more, so... Um, that's funny, because I made that connection, too, with stories we tell, yeah. and I was trying to think about... Well, that's the thing, is, like, you said that it didn't surprise you that 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 was the case, you know. That what was the case? That, that those, like, supposedly found found clips... Oh, I don't remember that now because yeah, you my, said that I've, you were you were suspicious that it wasn't like actually found clips and you know before the end of the movie. I know, honestly but, can't remember. Yeah, if that's what I said, I was probably telling the truth okay. because in my head now I retroactively think, oh, I was totally fooled and yeah. I didn't know till the end. <laughs> that's not what you said, anyway. <laughs> so, I was lying to seem smarter. Yeah, no, I, I mean, wasn't. not that it. I actually experienced it the other way around, where I thought this was a narrative film. That was chopped up into shorter I guess fits. you were hindered by the fact... If you hadn't heard of Glenn Gould and known yeah. that he was a real person, then... <laughs> so I was... I just figured that they were... Um, uh, 
that the, that it was an actor playing him. Yeah. And then when we got to the first interview scene, I was like, okay, well, this guy doesn't look like an actor. He's just like, he's clearly works in the industry. You know, right. did they coach him to make up this No, thing? some of them are famous yeah. Uh, yeah, violinists yeah. and stuff like well, that. Well, and then what tipped me off is when we got to the scene where um, they're playing one of Gould's compositions. It's a quartet. Oh yeah, that's and probably the one the of midway. the guys was that they was interviewed the interview. was actually playing like viola, I think, yeah. so uh, or violin. I think he's um, quite I was famous. like, okay, so he actually like is a performer yeah. who worked with him before, and not yeah, <laughs> and not some like actor. It's that not they like set a fake to... staged uh, interview from a Woody Allen movie or something. Yeah, but like some of the interview, you know, parts, it looks like I don't know. Anyway. One thing that I liked about some of the interview parts is they because people are telling anecdotes, sometimes vivid anecdotes, mm-hmm. you almost have the sense that you've seen some of the scenes that they've described, but yeah. it's just in the words of the story. Yeah. <laughs> but now after the fact, I can picture things that we didn't actually see on screen because the person talked about it. And what I'm thinking about is uh, the they, they, they talk, uh, several people talk about how he would just call up out of the blue mm. and talk and talk and talk because, you know, he spent a great deal of time isolated and on his own. And, and then all of a sudden he would be in the mood to talk, yeah. to talk through something, to declaim, to like reprocess <laughs> something of great intellectual, intellectual de- depth and import that he needs to talk about right now. Well, one of his friends talked about how he would just do that and, um, he wouldn't notice that you weren't answering back and he got so tired, it was 1 a.m. he got the call, that he ended up lying down on the floor and stretching out, and he fell asleep with the phone in his ear with Glenn talking. And I think was awakened maybe an hour or more later, and Glenn Gould was still talking, talking and never yeah. noticed that he had fallen asleep. Um, but I picture that scene of the guy yeah. asleep on the floor. Laying with, on the yeah. floor. <laughs> so what does this... What I mean, what does a movie like this... What what is it doing? Does it work? I guess I'm trying to ask: Is this isn't is this effective as a, as a way of getting at who a person is or who Glenn Gould is? I mean, you wouldn't want this approach for like every biography. Maybe I would. Um. Well, it's funny because uh, some of the a lot of the critics were like, "Why do we have to make these stupid straight lace biopics? Like, Shouldn't more films be like a mosaic like yeah. this?" I mean, do we have to have the origin story of everyone? I mean, like, yes, we were all born and we all grew up. I don't and even we like those parts of like, uh, written biographies yeah. where you have to read about the grandparents and no. then the parents and then you're 80 pages in and finally the person's born and you're like, I just yeah. want to know about when they were yeah. cool. When they were yeah. in their 20s, 30s, 40s. <laughs> I don't need to know about, you know, great grandma so-and-so in Sweden. Yeah. I I don't know... I mean, like, I've seen that done well when you're tying it back into sort of like a cultural experience, but I don't know. A lot of times I don't think it's necessary. I mean, like, this one we just have like a short sort of introduction to like, you know, like, essentially like my mom started teaching me when I was to play piano when I was seven and she taught me Bach was like pretty much all oh, you right. get from so the So there's first... a narration through yeah. that that actually goes overlaid across mm-hmm. a lot of the movie that's again the actor yeah Colin Fiore uh narrating probably passage from things that Glenn Gould had written yeah I don't know if they're rewritten or extrapolated or you know yeah like a play or if they're actually drawn from um I think he wrote a great deal mm. so probably 
some of the stuff came from letters and writings, but yeah, no, I think it works. I I like that. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't think we need like all the little bits. I think you get an idea about. I actually think they did a really good job of like them leading into each other. So like there's a scene um, later in the movie where like he is sitting in his sort of messy apartment and there's like all these like pill bottles by his Mm -hmm. thing. And it's not a part, it's not really a focus of the scene, but you definitely notice it. And then the next scene is like, or the next little short film is like a a description of the like pharmaceuticals that he may have been taking. Oh yeah. And each, and it's a close up of the bottle and a narration. Well, not the bottle. It's the the actual pills. pills. You see the pills in, uh, extreme close up on the screen with the narration over it. And then like what it does and what the side effects are. And what you should not ever combine it with. with, And then the next one is always the thing that you shouldn't have combined combined it it for. Yeah. That may have a side effect of such and such. And then the next one is, this is what you take when you have (laughs) the high blood pressure (laughs) but there's two dozen of those probably in that scene but like i think it just it flows really nicely into into whatever the next thing is you know or the scene where um it's like it's at the backstage at the concert where he says he's not going to play anymore and then the next scene is he's talking about like why he chose not to play anymore and it it's sort of so it without like this you know, not everything has to be, like, explained in detail. Like, you can just, like, you can get an idea of a person through these little snippets of their personality. In some ways, you can get, like, a stronger idea than if you tried to, like, explain it in more detail. And, you know, I think, like, it's almost like dots on a line, if oh. We're going into mathematics okay. again, Let's but like, it. you know, the slope of a line and any dot along that line is going to help you define that line better. So we're getting like 32 dots on this line that mm-hmm. is Glenn Gould. And we've got a pretty I- good idea of like which direction he's headed in and like what are the major, you know, you know, you can get a pretty good idea of a line if you have 32 points on it. You can get a pretty good idea of a line if you have two points on it, but... You know, it, but each one seems like something revealing, some kind mm-hmm. of insight, yeah, of some kind. But you don't need the whole line in order to. You don't understand need everything it. in between, yeah. And then your mind makes the leap, and you fill in mm-hmm. the the blank spaces on the line. And I, th- I do think we have like we do have like this is the starting point, and this is an end point. You know, yeah. And there's a like... sense of of milestones in his mm-hmm. career and in his life his life as an artist and as a person, there's not a whole lot about his social life. Yeah. But I think that we're given the impression that he didn't have that much of a social life. Well, I think that that's the point. You can also get an idea of what's going on by what's missing from the story, you know. There was some speculation for many years I was reading, and it was probably, honestly, the Wikipedia article about Glenn Gould that... um, he may not really have had much, uh, many romantic relationships, if any, and mm. may have in fact been asexual. Yeah. Um, another thing that often Cor- goes correlates, correlates with, with autism. Yeah. I think. I mean, if 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 that's where we are. Yeah. Um. I, I, it sounds like at some point uh, a, a woman came forward and said she had a relationship with him for mm. a number of years in the late '60s, early '70s, and kind of 
put that to rest. He's <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> asexual. He wasn't homosexual. Yeah. Um, it was just a very private part of his life. Yeah. Um, but there's not a lot of the of his connections with other people, except the people that we see in the interviews, I guess, who give a sense of of the people in his life. Yeah, and how people perceive him. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, we do get that. We get an idea of, of who he is and how he feels about things and then how he's perceived by the outside world, too. And then, you know, what his interests and passions are, yeah. you know. So I feel like we get a pretty good sense of who he is without this, like, big, like, drawn-out, like, you know, people arguing over, like, obvious points and stuff like that, you know. It's like... Where he's like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to play this piece. And, yeah. You know, like... <laughs> Dad, Dad. <laughs> lay off me. Yeah, I mean, there's... I'm picturing that uh, Brian Wilson movie all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> where he's like losing his mind, and then he makes pet pet uh, pet sounds. Oh, people <laughs> like that one better than uh, some of those. Uh, I, I liked think. it okay, just because I'm obsessed with uh, Brian Wilson a little yeah. bit. But um, I'm not sure. I just sure. remember that. Um, was it? Um... Jamie Foxx was in one that was just like so. Was it the Ray Charles movie? I think Ray? it was the Ray Charles. I, I never it's saw that. Just so formulaic. Yeah. It was. And, well, most. And of then it... the Johnny Cash one came out around the same time, and it was also similarly formulaic. You know. Um, well, I think most of them are. Yeah. To the point of they each hit the same sort of cliche, cliched mm. points in yeah. the movie. You have this. You have the parents, and then you have the first relationship or why? Yeah. I don't know. It's just. And then the the, the, the building fame, and then they, building fame is then, actually kind of short, and then all of a sudden they're famous, and, and then they're too famous. Yeah, and there's the fall. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I need to see that <laughs> again. <laughs> it doesn't even matter who it is. No, you're just plugging in. It's it. it you know, you can sell a soundtrack album off of it. Yeah, and uh, plug in uh, somebody who mm-hmm. wants to be up yeah. for an Oscar nomination. Well, yeah, it's a shame that uh, Reese Witherspoon won her Oscar for that film. That was not great. <laughs> So, um, a lot of, um, I saw several reviews where they described the form of the movie as being, as like a mosaic. Yeah. And I, the word that came to my mind, I don't know if it's more pretentious, is that it's kind of cubist. It's kind of like you're looking from multiple angles at the same time. Um, like something exploded, uh, being able to see everything, I mean, obviously, time <laughs> is the way it is, and you can't see everything at the same time. Yeah. But um, that's that was the metaphor that helped me to make sense of it. I yeah. Guess. I Did you? That. I'm. I can never go back and see the movie for the first time. So I'm wondering, like, what was your experience of the first few minutes? Did you have? When did you feel like? Oh, I kind of see what's happening now. Or like, did you have a sense of, of? what you were in for? Were you worried about there being 32 films? <laughs> I was a little concerned about that, yeah. I th- I don't know. I think the first one that really, like, pulled me in um, was the the sort of, like, practice going into L.A. concert, you know, which is, <laughs> like, that's number, like, eight or nine. Eight and nine on the list here, so... 
Is that, uh, now describe that, is that the film where he's rehearsing in the green room? Yeah, so the practice is he's in the green room, and, like, there's some voiceover where he's talking about, like, he never complained too much about the pianos, although there was only, like, There two... were only two on his entire European tour that were, <laughs> that that were, were passable. Yeah, um, so it shows him in the green room sort of, like, walking around like not looking like he's practicing the piano. And then the last shot is there actually was a piano in the room that he chose not to practice yeah. on. So his rehearsal time in the <laughs> yeah. green room was the camera <laughs> relentlessly following him as he's walking around 360, yeah. following him around and he's doing it in his head. Yeah. And that's something that the, the stuff I was reading about him today sort of corroborated yeah. that he could play and practice in his head. Um, and that he, uh, was able to memorize great chunks of yeah. these classics by Bach and Beethoven just from having, you know, seen them. Yeah. On the page. And and then the next one is him, like, going backstage to the L.A. concert, um, sort of, like, through this labyrinthine thing, and then he meets a... Um, a, st- a stage worker. Yeah, a stage worker. Um, who right asked him to out. sign his program for him because his wife is a big fan of yeah. of Gould. And um, Glenn Gould tells him, this is my last... You're lucky. You know, she's lucky that... This uh, is the last one of these things I'm ever going to sign. sign. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes off smiling to go play. And another state, and the the woman who escorted him, his yeah. escort to through, you know through the backstage to the front, um, comes over to the guy, the stagehand, and says, "What did you write?" <laughs> and then he reads to so and so, you know, God bless, whatever. And then it said, "The last concert." The last concert, yeah. So Glenn Gould. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, I, I asked you to uh, it, it, what your favorite uh, segments were because I know we can't talk about thirty two yeah. short films, or this will be. Uh, I don't know, 90 minutes also. Yeah. So what was the... Are we going like, to go back and forth? Are we going like in reverse order? Well, I okay, so <laughs> I will say that, I mean, I jotted down films, but I didn't consult the list to do it, okay. and I didn't necessarily put them in order of priority. I just tried to think of what were five ones that come to mind right away that, that oh, I God. thought were good. So, okay, so my, I, I mean, I did rank them because I like to rank things. Okay, so. I did not rank mine. So I'm going to go in. I didn't do in, my homework. From the top, so my favorite one was Truck Stop, which is the, he stops at a truck stop and he's eating at a diner. Um, and you hear like this like conversation next to him and then another conversation starts and then there's like a third conversation and the conversations are like weaving in and out from each other and the camera kind of moves around but it's not necessarily following the conversation that's most prominent at that time anyway i liked that and the sound mix is such that like all the other sound in the cafe of the noise and the hubbub dials down so that you're just hearing like the conversation Mm. that gould is attending to at that moment you kind of see him maybe in the foreground sometimes cocking his head or or concentrating um that's on my list too yeah (laughs) that was also (laughs) thought it might be (laughs) so that was my first one second one was the quartet because i absolutely love String quartets. Okay. They're my... I mean, like, if I'm going to see classical music, string quartet is number one, classical guitar is number two, and then piano by itself is number three. Those are my favorite ways to experience We are not on music. the same page here. Uh, yeah. And this is fun. I'm glad there's <laughs> yeah. some... Just, like, for me, I like to see music performed live in person. Yeah. 
Sorry, Glenn Gould. I know that he thinks <laughs> yeah. uh, he thought the uh, concert hall was dead and live performance is no longer meant to be a thing anymore. But when that segment came on, what I felt was the discomfort of not knowing how long the performance was going to be. Mm. And um, so to me, that was that felt very long to me. And it also, I think, comes maybe right about middle of the movie. Yeah. And so what I remember most was even though I like, even though the music is beautiful, I had this kind of discomfort of not knowing how long it was going to be. And I might have been starting to get a little tired of that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. I just always love there's something about it. It feels like very warm and human. You know, they say that the cello and the viola. I've had these conversations with my friend who played the viola. Depending, they closest, most closely mirror the sound of the human voice, like the sound of the human singing voice. Yeah. Um, but there's that rich kind of woody tone that you get from the... Um, so I love cello in particular, but also viola. Um, uh, violin, I can take or leave because sometimes the really high violin parts are really hard on my ears but um you're so sensitive <laughs> i know um, my my dad um he was a fiddle player um which fiddle and violin did you same, have trouble with same instrument sometimes? just a d- different way you play it but um actually not that different how you play it but my dad was learning to play the fiddle when i was a a baby uh in er- in arkansas and um my mom said like he would practice and i would just like scream and Maybe that's and why scream. you still have trouble with yeah. violins now. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I, violins can be absolutely beautiful, but sometimes when they get that really high... And he was probably like, I can't practice my fiddle because of the screaming baby. Yes. <laughs> so, um, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> For me, when that scene, when the actual... So that performance, and I, I'm sure you already you mentioned it, but it's the one thing I think that we have that's um, his own composition. Yeah. Right? I just turned off the air conditioner, so it'll stop in a minute. Okay. So that was a piece that he composed, and we get to hear, you know, for once, not him performing Bach or Beethoven. Um, but playing but, his own composition. Yeah, well, the quartet. So, <laughs> also on my list is uh, the L.A. Concert. I have that one as my number three. Okay. I just love that one. I thought, I'd like, the interaction between the the lady who's showing him where to go and the and the stagehand backstage. I just, I it's like funny, one of the ways I experienced that scene is a little bit of tension not knowing if he's going to be nice to them. Yeah. Because we do know he's kind of cool and, yeah. I mean, as in cold and yeah. not necessarily the best with people. But he actually treats them very nicely and kindly and, and seems kind of charming. Maybe a little distracted, but charming. Yeah. Um, I liked the weirdness of personal ad, um, which is the one where he's like written this weird, like long personal ad that's like wanted someone like to talk to about like, and it's like this weird list of like odd stuff to talk about, you know, it's written in the most verbose like possible (laughs) way with everything is a four syllable word. And yeah. That one was good. And then I liked the animation, the the, the weird spears the or Malcolm lenses. Mc- so that's yeah. a, an animation by Malcolm McLaren. I think it's from a uh, larger piece he did called Spheres. Mm-hmm. And so you're listening to I was to into these, that. 
Me too. I could watch more of that. So it reminds me. There is more of that. There's a whole film of that. I probably talked about it, but one of the formative experiences of my life is I used to watch uh, Reading Rainbow. um, And And I didn't, so I don't know why you're making that connection. Sometimes I'd have these weird, like, bits, um, which weren't, it was like, you know, just a little short thing that they would do before they got to the reading of the book, which is sort of the big thing. So there's like two little segments at the beginning, and then they read the book, and then the episode is over. So um, they had this one where they were, um, probably this is from like the mid-80s, I would guess, or late 80s, but it was sort of the beginning of like computer animation. And so they had this, like, they played this weird music, and they had these like computer animated things, which is like spinning rocks and and stuff like that. Um, um, And... With like yeah, weird music. So I was I just into that. I like that kind of thing. I don't know if it's like just the how my brain was like formed <laughs> to like appreciate these like weird moving shapes and and, and moving in time with, with yeah. With it was the, all very symmetrical. With, yeah, and the, it was like little spheres giving birth to other spheres mm-hmm. and then dancing around and moving around and then more coming out <laughs> of them and then they do a little like sort of square thing. Yeah. It's always how I imagine like a tesseract or something would be would be something but like that. But then you, you know? had you had like the moving through you're moving through space and time and yeah. But it also like <laughs> this weird little sphere animation also had like a three act structure or something because it had the pleasure of them all going back together at the end to yeah. correspond with the 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 last bit of the song and the song mm-hmm. ending. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. It wasn't on my list. I enjoy that. Yeah. So those are my five. Okay. So we have some overlap. and But I'm such a cheater that I also have runners up. So Mm -hmm. um, what are you doing? I'm stopping the cat. Okay. Is there really a cat in the room with us? We'll let you decide that because this is not a visual medium. Um, So I have the LA concert. Yes. Uh, it's the first one I wrote down, so yeah. it's the first one that came to mind. But again, I didn't attempt to rank these. Yeah. I just wanted to go with what, what, which of the ones that seem most memorable to me. Now, this, um, there's not much to this, mm. but I just like it, and I think it's a combination of the intensity of the. I think it's one of the Bach Goldberg variations being played. Mm. It's very early. It's probably the second or third one. It might be the second one. It's 45 seconds in a chair, and it's just a single shot of. Mm. I mean, it may be the first time we see uh, Colm Fior as Glenn Gould as an adult on screen. And he's just sitting in a chair um, and it's a single shot with the camera um, slowly moving, mm. slowly moving towards him as the music is super intense. It okay. just has, um, I don't know, I just like the intensity <laughs> of it. It's my kind of a shot Yeah. with the music. I like that it's short. Mm. And, and that's probably the shortest film that we have in the piece yeah. too. But to me, it like sets up this excitement of like I'm uh, of what's coming next, and um, I don't know. I associate the intensity of the music with what's going on in his brain behind that kind of impassive face. So that was a cool it's one. It's like me. my uh, forty-five seconds of my cat listening to Bjork. Yeah, <laughs> directed by Ashley Carr. <laughs> so the most abstract, I guess, the only abs- sort of abstract one since that actually has a human in it uh, on my list is, I think it's CD 318. I don't know if that's the number. 
it's, yeah. It's the one that's inside his Stein, Glenn Gould Steinway mm. piano as it's being played. Yeah. And you sing um, all of the hammers and everything that's happening inside the piano with the ca- camera kind of gliding around through it as as one of the pieces is so being played. That to me is another like kind of Sesame Street sort of thing for me. <laughs> I mean, like. Maybe that's why I like it because I'm used to pretty watch... sure that one of the kids shows that I watched yeah. had like a scene where like but you're like did... going into the piano. I, and I'm see... sure they did, but it wasn't yeah. Glenn Gould. Gould Steinway. That's true. It's that's true. <laughs> they actually got Glenn Gould Steinway mm. for the movie too. It's I a understand. lot easier to get a camera in a grand than it is, yeah. you know, a smaller compu- uh, computer um, piano. <laughs> I also have, um, and I don't know what the film is called on screen. Each of the short films in the movie, mm. uh, it cuts to a black screen and has a title of what we're going to see no. next. So the one is the the one in the cafe truck stop. I guess it, it was. is truck stop. Truck yeah. stop. Which also, I can't remember if it's before or after, um, there's a reenactment of Gould being interviewed. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know if it's the one where he's interviewing himself, but the, or if it's just one where he's in the dark and there's a rate. But they're talking about the fact that he, um, he who, I can't remember now. It's, it, the anecdote is that Gould often seems to be um, conducting yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. Like... That's like when people are co- talking maybe it's his cousin that says that or something i like don't that. know but i connect that yeah. with with what's happening in the truck stop because mm. he's hearing um all of these fragments which just seem like noise to most people you know yeah. you kind of just turn it into a din uh, and you're you're focused on your own thoughts or um if you're alone or a conversation somebody you're having but you're not usually like intensely zo- zooming in to different conversations um it's just done so well with the sound mix and what we see on screen where you go in maybe close to the people talking just enough to see where it's coming from but you're often on his face or you're somewhere else in the cafe and and realize and then i think there's sometimes where there's discrepancy between what you're seeing and the louder conversation that you're hearing and you don't know where it is um it's just really done well (laughs) it's like and I guess that also figures into there's a time in his career where he's also producing narr- like radio programs. Yeah. And so there's that one about, I forget what it's called, but I think this is either in, around the same time, but it, yeah. it's one he did with uh, interviews with uh, ordinary Canadians talking about the sense of like isolation and solitude in the winter or something like yeah. that. And like it, it kind of The ones you, that live like way up like in the Yukon, like way up north. Yeah, and yeah. I may be wrong. This may be a trick of afterwards having seen all of the segments and now putting them together in different ways. But I think it's right. It may be right after this scene in the truck stop that we hear a fragment of that radio program as yeah. if this was an inspiration yeah. for the way he experiences the world, even just being in an ordinary place, leads to some of the experimental radio documentaries that he starts to do. So... Again, you or you pointed out before how well they like interlock with each other, yeah. and one transitions to the next. I thought that was a really good one. Yeah, I like that one. And I think I have one more on my list, and it's one you already you brought it up as your favorite. Um, and again, this wasn't necessarily my ranked order, but it's the the green room, what the one in the green. That room. actually was not on my list. Oh, I that's like not concert on your list. was. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the one, the the him rehearsing in his mind, yeah. walking around and around in the green room with the camera circling with him. 
um, is on my list. I was distracted by how gray that room was. It was. Oh. It bothered me in a way. I don't know. I was trying to figure out if it was a set or a real green room or I don't know what it was. You even asked me, "Is this a green room?" I don't know yeah, where so we are. Like, what kind of You're weird like, I don't room is what this? Space is. And I, said, I mean, I like it. Think so. It doesn't really. I mean, it does kind of look like a set to me that they like set up to be this sort of. And so maybe it's like an abstract performance space or something like that. Um, but it doesn't feel like a... It, yeah, it feels more like it could be a place in Glenn Gould's mind than than an actual green room, which but, would have been a lot more like worn in and, you know, probably not all gray. and Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least my experience with theater green rooms are that they're a lot more like kind of... Like Warden well, remember and beat the thing, up and the, the, the discrepancy or the weird thing about it is we're seeing just the perimeter of the yeah. room because it's a reveal when we see that there actually is a piano yeah. in the room. There's you don't see the piano in the room. It's you true. see him pacing the room along the outskirts. I don't even know if you know it's the outskirts of the room. I don't even know if you know that you're not seeing the piano until you pull back to that wide shot at yeah. the end and see there's a terrible <laughs> piano in the room that he refuses to play. Yeah. And it's better to just rehearse in his mind. And I think it's not just the film itself, but what it signifies that. Yeah. I, that well, I mean, I think like likely, I mean, like my experience with like a green room or a practice room is it's not going to be big enough for them to. So I really do think it was a set um, to get the camera to come around in that way for him oh, to have probably. enough room to. For them not to reveal the the piano in the middle of the room, so I just I and I was a little distracted by actually it's an odd thing to be distracted by, but the bricks were fake; they weren't real oh. bricks, and it was bothering me. So, well, you're an architecture student, yeah. so and you uh, you pay attention to things like, like production brick, design so, yeah. and interior design in a way that I don't. I guess I probably was like jazzed by the camera, but that's movement. why I think like symbolically it was probably like we're in his mind. See, I like that know? explanation yeah. for it. Yeah, if it looks a little artificial, <laughs> yeah. it's because we're in his mind. Yeah, let's, let's give them some credit. Yeah, here, maybe. it's a little more pixelated. And, we can make it mean yeah. something yeah. and not just be a flaw. Um, so I'm going to cheat and tell you some of the other, also, my mm. other other Uh-oh. ones I liked, I guess. And so also... All 32 of the other ones. No. Yeah. And then the other 32. <laughs> yeah. No, I just want to shout out the personal Zad one I thought was great, yeah. too. I actually really l- liked the, the I don't know what it's called on screen, but that catalog of pharmaceuticals, all mm. the prescription pills. Yeah, that was pills. fun. It's yeah. very clever. It's funny. If um, only all it's funny ads and depressing. could be like that. Yeah. Um... And I liked the portion in the beginning. I can't remember if it's the first or second portion when he's a child. Is there only one segment when he's a child? I think so. Like Simico, maybe? Yeah. Um, Is that moment uh, when his parents are coming into the house and they find him, I don't know, eight years old or something, like sitting in an easy chair next to the radio, cradling his his eyes, like covering his hand (laughs) and his eyes and listening so intensely to like this Wagner opera or something. I think it's Tristan and Isolde on on the radio and his parents like standing there just like (laughs) transfixed by like, again, it's always intensity. This intense, almost painful ability to listen and yeah. understand the music or need to hear every last note he's, he's probably memorizing the score yeah also at that age um i liked that moment a lot yeah i'm not going to list the other 32 films you're not going to list them i'm not going to list the other 32 films. Yeah. <laughs> something i thought you'd get a kick of i don't know if you um 
if you stumbled across this too, but did you know that uh, The Simpsons did a parody? No, I had no idea. We should look it up on YouTube yeah. or, or find it on Disney or where, whoever has The Simpsons yeah. these days. But they did an episode called 22 Short Films About Springfield. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so I'm dying <laughs> to see that. That's what happens when you run a yeah. show as long as The Simpsons has been run. You just kind of have to... Well, they did everything, yeah, right? Yeah, they I mean, everything. all the weird niche things that I like, they've made fun of The Prisoner. They've made mm. fun of Twin Peaks. They've done 32 Short Films About Glenn Gould. That's yeah. nuts. I do remember seeing it. I, I haven't seen it in many years, but it's funny. Well, just, <laughs> that's funny. It, it, oddly, it reminds me of, um, so my first experience with Rosemary's Baby was a parody done by Mad Magazine that I, like, my brother just bought a Mad Magazine that we had one summer, and we read it over and over and over, and so, like, that must have been a rerun, because this would have been, like, 1995 or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. I used to pick up <laughs> Mad Magazine in, um... When I was 10, 11, 12, yeah. when I used to go with my dad down to the Mojave Desert, and there's a little, like, five and dime store. We used to call it the five and dime store yeah. right next to his realty office. And I would pick up Mad Magazine. They would always have those movie um, parodies, and they were always like those old movie parodies. They must yeah. be rerunning old ones. Yeah. Because I remember, like, Jaws, and I remember wasn't very, Raging Bull. Wasn't very all coral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't know what made me think of that, but um, just that just the, well, the Simpsons, Simpsons parodied it. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting and obscure... Um, I don't know. I'm always fascinated by, like, like, what influences, like, you know, writers of all kinds have. You know, even if you're writing for TV, you know, that that you've, you know, read and experienced all these, like you know, different kinds of art and then to like, you know, funnel it through the lens of the Simpsons is kind of interesting. So. I have a question that I'm dying to know. Yeah. It's kind of weird. But as you were watching the movie and you saw that the title of the film was 32 short films, did you count them? No, I didn't. I totally freaking counted them. Did you? Okay. I needed to know where we were at all times. Interesting. I was worried about not knowing how much longer there was because I didn't have a clock anywhere in view. And I just had this part of my brain that really wanted to know, were we on number 10 or number 16? So I literally counted them in my mind as we were watching them. No, I didn't. I don't know. I mean, like, that's like, that reminds me a lot of, like, how I go to live concerts. Yeah. Um, Unless I, like, really want to be there, like, I have a hard time sitting for long periods of time. Yeah. In a concert situation. So, like, I mean, like, you've been to concerts with me. I mean, not... What? Well, I'm thinking the kids' recitals and things like yeah, that, like, too. Yeah, where where like, the you're program like, I'm obsessed like... with the program. Like, how many until we get... Like, you know. <laughs> so that's what I was like, but not in a bad way. No. Not, locked, not like, in an uncomfortable way. No. But I just wanted to know. And I don't think I did that before. I just wanted to know this time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I want to make it 32 clean. sounds like a lot. It's like a big hill it to does, climb. And that's why And if they're all like 13 minute short but films, then not. that's like that's 4 hours thing. long I or something make sure like if that. We, <laughs> if we've tantalized anyone at all who who's never seen this and wants to give it a try, some of them are 45 seconds. Yeah. Some of them are 1 minute. Um probably the quartet is one of the longer ones. It's probably only 4 minutes or so. I mean, it's yeah. not that long. No, um, nothing, it's a pretty short piece. I don't think there's anything longer than four or five minutes, maybe. Yeah. And those are the long ones. They're, yeah. they're not very many of them. 
Um, so it's it's kind of like watching TikTok, you know. Oh You'll yeah. Have some that Except are you like, can't. You can't. Some flick. are like thirty seconds, and some are sixty seconds, and then some are three. Except minutes. you'd be like, "Damn, what did I do to get stuck on Glenn Gould TikTok?" <laughs> I want. I want this art piece. Can we have this art piece that's like <laughs> Glenn Gould TikTok? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, probably we've, you've already kind of talked about this to some extent, but like. What about the fact that this is 32 fragments and it's like a mosaic? Would it work if it was like put out of order or does it need to be in this order? Like, what no, if it, it doesn't was, need to be. What if order. it was interactive or what if it was uh, an art piece uh, in a, in a, you know, like an installation in a museum or something like that? Or what if you just had the ability to control which ones you saw and you could dial them up? Would your experience be completely different if the order was different or even if the filmmakers made different versions on the dvd where they're just in different order yeah like what would so i honestly i'm good at making connections that's part of my personality it's part of how i think about the world so it would not bother me at all to have things it would take me it might take me a little bit longer to figure it out but i would be able to figure it out yeah i think there's some people in the world who would be like no this is bullshit i don't want this i don't like it <laughs> yeah and if you think that you're like that uh, dear audience member then maybe don't see this movie and just yeah. listen to our podcast our podcast is probably going to be almost as long as the movie no it's yeah. it's not a very long movie it's yeah. about an hour uh, 98 minutes something yeah. like that no yeah. i i mean like i would have dug it if we'd gotten this in in if they had, if it had hadn't been like points on a line, if it had been like, well, I mean, I guess it would all still be points on a line, but the you know your what first. What if there were stories at the top of your Instagram or yeah. something? Like that? <laughs> it wouldn't, it wouldn't really bother me because I I think like what you learn about them, I I mean like. The way it's set up, you immediately get to apply the new knowledge you have mm -hmm. to a different situation, which is, like, good for remembering it. But, like, I think, like, these are unique enough in some, in most cases, that you could sort of switch around the order and, like, you'll be like, okay, well, I remember back from, like, the third one that, that they said something about this. Mm -hmm. And so here's like a little payoff for that, you know, in yeah, in number twenty, you know, or something like that. So I mean, like I feel like the way it's set up, it just kind of flows from one to the other. But you could very easily just move things around and and get sort of an idea of, and like you could do that. I mean, more with like the way that the actors made up and like you know, mm -hmm. you know where things. And, and, like, we do a lot of storytelling that way that's, like, out of order nowadays that I, I think most people would be fine with it, you know, so. Um, but there are people who, like, it, it might upset them. Sometimes. You know, so. Colm Fiore's, uh now one of the stars of Umbrella Academy. He's been in tons of stuff. Okay, and I um, that's, that's the big thing he's on right now. <laughs> I haven't seen Umbrella. All I know about it is that Elliot Page is on, yeah. on Umbrella Academy. So that's all I know. So another... Somewhat well, not a country. Another question for you. Um, Who's also Canadian? Sorry. Are there <laughs> were there segments that you're like, nope? I mean, are there? What do you? Were there ones that are? What are? Are there any that are strike you as unsuccessful or, or maybe we didn't need that one or not my favorite, anything like that? I honestly don't remember. 
probably any we forget that, the ones that uh, any didn't that I was like, um, yeah, I don't, I didn't care all that much about the whole like investment scheme stuff later. Oh, in the I mean that was an amusing story. I thought yeah. it was fine. I, yeah, I see what you mean though. It wasn't my favorite thing. Yeah. Like I didn't see how it tied into anything else. You know, because I don't care about. Investing. You don't care about the stock market? No, and I don't really understand it all that well yeah. either. So, um, and I, I couldn't figure out what the company was and like whether he actually owned it or was just investing in it or <clears throat> or what the deal was. So yeah. I just, that part of it was not my favorite thing. But I mean, I also have not seen Wall Street for the very same reason because I don't, I don't care. I don't care about yeah, yeah, men yeah. yelling at them I didn't, about money. It's to a men yelling, men yelling, men yelling movie. Yes. <laughs> in, in, in the words of Lindy West about a totally different movie. So um, you remember there's that actor who always turns up in these, like he came on, uh, uh, he came on screen. I think he played a concert promoter in, in mm. one of the scenes. I can't remember if it's outside the green room or if it's in that segment or somewhere else. Um, but it's Don McKellar. Mm-hmm. Um, Don McKellar, who to, to me, like, and I haven't seen that, uh, sorry, Canada, I haven't seen that many Canadian films and television shows, probably, but I, I always feel... I've seen more than the average American, Probably though. more than the average American, but I feel like when I'm watching a Canadian independent film or television show, there's always, like, probably more than a 50% chance that uh, Don McKellar is going to show up. Mm. I really like Don McKellar. I've seen him in lots of stuff. He is kind of one of these everything people. He is a writer. He's a director. He's an actor. He has, yeah, he's made films. He often stars in the things. <laughs> he stars in the main film he made, and I can't remember what it was at this moment. He's in, uh, I think, a couple of the Adam McGoyan movies that I really like. He's in Exotica, which we talked about. Mm. Um, he's in Degrassi. So, so we probably reviewed more <laughs> Canadian movies than most people uh have seen but anyway um he sure enough he turns up in this movie and it's right around the time that he's doing a lot of his stuff and kind of appearing in everything yeah. um he's in the new david cronenberg cronenberg movie that's okay. out right now he was also in existence years ago um anyway don mckellar turns out he's the co-writer of the movie interesting so the this originated with um the director francois gerard um i guess was in touch with people who had the rights to do some kind of film or documentary on Glenn Gould's life. And, and there was this idea of doing short films and he like was into that and he wanted to find a collaborator to work with to kind of flesh out the, the character of Glenn Gould and the sort of the dramatic, the, what, what there is in the way of dramatic scenes. And he looked up Don McKellar and Don McKellar didn't want to do it at first because he's like, there's nothing, there's no story there. There's no drama. There's not really anything there. And then um, somehow they got talking about it and got excited about this idea of these little fragments that just reveal some kind of truth. And they went with that. So they say that a lot of the humor in the film is from Don McKellar. Interesting. So probably things like, I mean, I can't pin it down, but I'd say these things that we're reacting to, like the personals ad yeah. or some of the odd turns of phrase or, or moments in Glenn Gould's life, some of the odd things are probably coming out with um, Don McKellar and probably their work with Colm Fior, the actor, who was quite good. He was good. It won lots of Genie Awards. Canada's uh, equivalent okay. of the Academy Award. I think it won four. It won um, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Editing. Sadly, not Best Actor. 
Um, mm. But it did well at the film festivals. It's got like 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I remember reading positive reviews in Roger Ebert and, and that kind of thing. So it's just... And then I forgot about it for many years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I wonder if this is what put it on my radar again. I saw it on the shelf at Highland Library when I was weeding oh, my, my film studies uh, materials recently. We have a copy of the DVD there. And I was like, ah, say... <laughs> one of these days. One of these days. One of these days. So do you have anything... Uh, gee, I just feel like I went into a nerdy, like, uh, talkative <laughs> monologue there for a moment. <laughs> and I don't know if I wiped out the the, the rest of your thoughts, if you had no, any. No, I, I mean, I think I got most of the most of the things that I had to say. I mean, I, I guess I did like the, um, the beginning and ending shots, you know, the sort of like white tundra with the figure. With a distant figure. figure it's kind of like that shot of, in Lawrence of Arabia, yeah. but it's the tundra and complete white out and, uh, Glenn Gould walking <sighs> from the I'm distance. supposed to like Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, let's not do that right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody likes Lawrence Arabia. They just don't want to sit through it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's so damn does, long. Does everyone like Lawrence of Arabia? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I like Lawrence of Arabia. I, I don't want to watch it right now. I, just, I don't actually want to watch it, but so, I like it. I mean, like, I just think that the way that people watch things is different than it used to be, you know? So, I mean, like, I think this film is really good for... Like, shoot, you can make tons of these little... This is almost the, like a... If you it's like a new, TikTok, it's then you would like... It's a new format that you, we can use to, like, present stories. If you like yeah. TikTok and social media, then you'd love the experimental mm. docudrama 32 short films about Glenn <laughs> Gould. Cool. It's, it's like... It's the documentary for the liked, Gen Z. Yeah. Or it's in your feed as, you yeah. know, recommended, a recommended post. You should do stuff like that, you know? Um... I want to see stories told in 32 segments. I yeah. think 32 is the magic number. No, I don't think it is. Well, it's, so it's eight and four multiplied. But what if 32. someone's TikTok account was just one story or mm. one vision in whatever it is, 30 pieces, and then that account's done and it's just there, archived. Yeah, yeah that would be cool. It's like a its own art project, yeah. its own film. Boy, we need to um, start doing... Uh, mixed media art sort of things we do yeah we I'm, should do I'm that sort gonna... of thing it reminds me of that um wonderful um art piece that we saw at the blanton three or four years ago um uh, that woman uh, what's her name yeah and like she did a bunch of different things like she had the like book title stacking yeah. and and um but she had this like great like short film about like the people that her and her family, her brother, oh, she used the to... Oh, little dolls or something? Yeah, they had little dolls, and they would, like, tell yeah. stories, and then it was by the lake, and sometimes the lake would wash out the... And there was, like, a big disaster for <laughs> the dolls. And they had to account like, for that dramatic yeah. loss of the doll <laughs> And they, the like, story. bury them, and, yeah, it was a whole, like, thing. <laughs> and it's fascinating little, little bits of the story kind of tied together. Yeah. Um, but I liked her her way of of storytelling. Um, she also had the she did the thing where like when she's on an airplane, she would take the like the napkins and the anything that she had around her, mm -hmm. and then like go into the bathroom and like take pictures of herself like dressed up like famous 
um, paintings. Yeah. So she would like make a bonnet but that looked like in a, the airplane bathroom. In the airplane bathroom. Yeah. yeah. And then she would lip sync like pop yeah. songs yeah. too. So she would be wearing sort of um, Vermeer like mm-hmm. napkin Girl with the bonnets, pearl, pearl, pearl earring kind yeah. of things, and also singing like Lady Gaga songs yeah. or something. I mean, lip syncing to the. It was it was awesome. So I mean, I think that there is. Um, art to be made in in all of the forms i I think this is a like it's kind of cool it's like ahead of its time you know this is well does this make you want more things that push the boundaries like this because it does to me i'm like how come they were making a film like this 30 years ago and i want more weird films like this (laughs) now yeah i are we just it's like some of the things that i like i mean because i've gotten to tiktok the last probably mostly during the pandemic and, like, there are certain things that I like, which tend to be odd. You yeah. know? Like, my favorite, the first, one of the first things I ran across, it was like, yeah, you know, this is just, like, three minutes of me, uh, you know, experiencing existential dread while shopping at Target. You know? And it was right. just, like, like a description of, of what that was like. And I was, like, way into that because, I don't know, it was just weird and um, funny and... You don't you don't always get that, but like I would love to see more of that kind of like I wanna now know if there are TikTok artists who are making like a narrative project yeah. that's done in in a finite number of segments, not an account that goes ongoing. Yeah. But I'm now fascinated by this idea well, of making you know- a Glenn Gould that's, you know, thirty two uh TikTok videos and then that account is done. So do you know I don't know if you know this, but um John and Hank Green produced something called the Lizzie Diaries on no, YouTube, I... like early in YouTube. And it's like a serialized like vlog ber- version of Pride and Prejudice done no, in YouTube videos. Which I've never seen it, but I knew it existed. So um, Is there anything that those guys don't do? I know. It's 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 like they, be, they'd probably be really I literally into this, become you know? more fascinated with them almost by the day, probably yeah. especially since I started looking at TikTok more often. I didn't realize they were so active on TikTok. And they did like Crash Course History, and they do Vlog Brothers, and they write books. And what yeah. do they not do? Well, I just I think that in every new medium, like there's a lot of this like ugh, new technology, blah. But there's a lot of opportunity to bring forward like the full potential of that medium, and like that there are interesting things to be said about society and art and life. And, like, however, whatever medium you choose that to be in, or, like, multiple mediums in this case, that you can tell an interesting story about a person or about a way of being or about a way of life or a culture, you know, using that medium. And, like, that medium helps you tell that story because it itself, it's, I'm going all McLuhan on you now. The medium is the message, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, um... God, this got really interesting. I was, I wanted to, <laughs> one of the last things I wanted to ask you is, um, can you think of other films, it doesn't have to be documentaries, but other films that one would like, that you would like if you liked Glenn Gould? Like what other, can you think of other movies that push the structure or tell stories in a different way? And I know you mentioned stories we tell. That was one of the first mm. ones that came to mind as working with that line between documentary mm. and narrative in an, yeah. and memoir in yeah. a different way. So I was just, I mean, it's, it has to do with music, but, and we have a big poster of it behind you on the wall, blue, 
Oh. Is a little bit like that. And, Which we and, did do on the show a few weeks ago. And the three colors all together are kind of like that, yeah. you know, in a way, too. So I think there's... Well, three colors, if you think of it as one fil- one yeah. larger thing. Yeah. Work. So can we... I mean, like, can we break... Uh, like, well, we can. We can break anything into pieces and look at a, each of the pieces and see how, yeah. you know, it's it's... I mean, it's cubist, but it's also like building blocks, you uh-huh. know, um, that you can just sort of like take the pieces and build them into whatever form that mm-hmm. you want to do. And and in that, you can bring out, I think, more meaning than would be there if you just, you know, had a singular mm-hmm. block of movie. You can have like little, right. little blocks of movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And like I think that that that's been influential in. I mean, like I think some of the newer like adaptations and the new um, bio, biopics or biopics, um, they do a lot more of that where they like zoom in on one particular mm-hmm. time period for mm-hmm. the person instead of like doing like a lifelong thing, which or is like, often what yeah. memoirs do yeah. versus autobiography or biography where somebody focuses on a yeah. a time, a theme. There's some kind of shorter yeah. connection connecting. Piece. But like there's like, I mean, like I've seen some where they like hyper focus like on a single moment in time, like a single day or a single mm. week for, mm-hmm. you know, I can't think of an example right now. Um, but I think also some of these newer adaptations that we're seeing of, of, of classic works and, uh, you know, not to bring up little women every time, but, Mm -hmm. um, that, that breaks down like a structure that most people understand very well Mm -hmm. and breaks it down into different parts and moves those in around in a Mm -hmm. way and changes the meaning of the, of, of the, because of the unusual, because of the structure, you know, and like, it's surprising as someone who's very familiar with that narrative, it's very surprising and exciting to that have it, things moved around in that way and bring you know? forth new ideas. Yeah. So yeah. I mean like I'm I'm very much into that and like it's it's a way that you can bring new interest to to things. I think know? that's a really good example because that's the story that you still retain the heart and the emotion and the depth of the the characters yeah. and the story and their lives whereas a lot of movies films that are experimental it's more about the artifice and about the technique and about the fact that it's experimental and maybe not as much about maybe, maybe emotion or character or something is yeah. not important or yeah. as important or gets lost, Yeah, you know, because in a way the film is like, look at me, I'm a, I'm an experimental film. Yeah. I don't, I didn't get that from yeah. this. Um, you know, it, it's still, it's interesting and it's probably because the subject is that it feels that, he still feels kind of enigmatic. Like you can't quite know him fully. Like, and maybe that's like a good, a reason why the structure is so successful here because you can't really get to know him because not many people did get to know him outside the few aspects of himself that he shared, you know? So, so this structure highlights that about him, that he's this sort of like, obtuse figure that like is a little bit difficult to like you can feel the edges but you can't maybe Mm -hmm. you have an idea of 
of what the what he is, but you can't fill in the middle quite. Mm-hmm. There's a void there, you know, that you can't. That's inaccessible, you know. So, sorry, I'm, this no, is this I'm, is painting all sorts of like math pictures in my yeah. head. Oh, so. I'm not getting the math, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm digging. <laughs> I it mean, anyway. it's all it's all graph stuff. I don't you know? like it's funny. Math. Well, so I love the concepts. I'm not good at the actual arithmetic, yeah. so that's the. So I want to tell. I want to. <laughs> I want to mention a couple of mil- movies that came to my mind. Yeah. Some of them are. A couple of them are biographical, and um, some of them are just experimental narrative or or have narrative weird games going on. And so I wrote down. Um, you haven't seen it, I don't think, but Mishima. Mishima the film about the Japanese writer that Paul Schrader did. That's different segments. Mm. Um, Some of it biographical and some of it um, very formal, beautiful, strange with (laughs) Philip Glass music and amazing cinematography and artifice done on a stage and looking false, but very colorful and beautiful um, reenactments of some of the short stories and, and things that interweave with what's going on in his life. So that's one that actually was a biographical one that I thought was interesting. Mm. I'd like to show you sometime. Okay. Um, that bizarre film, Holy Motors, not a biography. I but also, one of I've the only strangest, seen like most... the last little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, some of the films of Peter Greenaway, the guy who did The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover, that we saw early on. A lot earlier on in the pod, maybe I don't know, maybe around episode fifty should, or something. I want to watch that again because I really um, enjoyed that film. A, a lot of most of his films have some kind of formal game or st- weird experimental thing going on like that, and yeah. so one that stands out to me is Drowning by Numbers, which on mm. the surface is a, is a story I think about um, y- you know uh, an affair and like murder and there's something like that going. I don't actually remember the story because the game of it is is every shot in the movie has a number somewhere. It has yeah. something that counts up or adds to a sequential number counting from one to ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So your your mind the whole time is like finding the like it's like the Taylor Swift Easter eggs that you were telling me about, <laughs> where there's like nine bananas in this shot and there's like palm trees. There's like seven palm trees. Right, and there's eleven zebras or you know what I mean. But it's all kind of playing out as as just a weird game. While the while the story in quotes I'm doing like air quotes that you can't yeah. see is 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 playing out. Um, I definitely thought of stories we tell. Which it was yeah. one that, that I wrote down too. Oh, and um, one that's maybe a little bit more like this in some ways. That film um, I'm not there about Bob Dylan. Oh yeah, I where it's like once. it's not really don't go to that movie. It's at not midnight. really about Bob. It's not. Yeah. It's not a biography of Bob Dylan. It's a it's it's kind of like this in where it's like we're getting at pieces of who Bob Dylan is or was as an artist as a as an enigma and so it has like i don't know how many different segments four, five or six shorts yeah like stitched together and and nobody's really playing Bob Dylan. They're playing, like, fragments of one of his multiple personalities that he's, like, yeah. sort of uh, been in his music and in his life. You know, there's there's electric... Bob Dylan Goes Electric, played by Kate Blanchett, right? <laughs> and, like, as, as Bob Dylan... Basically, as a Bob Dylan-like pop star. Um, that's a really interesting film, which I haven't seen for many years. I went to... I made the unfortunate choice of going to, like, a late movie back when I could still barely go to late movies and like I was too sleepy um (laughs) 
We also took friends, and they were not into it either. So it was, um, it wasn't what I was expecting. So, um, but yeah, I, I totally get that. I don't think it was as successful as this film is, though. <laughs> and then, lastly, the one of the strangest, most experimental, interesting. I can't. I got. I need to see it again. <laughs> uh, experimental documentaries. The Arbor, a film by uh, British filmmaker Cleo Barnard from I don't know 2010 or something like that, where um, it's it's about um, this uh, prominent uh, playwright uh, and her you know really rough life in the projects and stuff like that, mm. being a single mom and being the victim of abuse while also starting to write and make a name for herself. And just really like what the, the, the hardship of that life and the, her voice as an artist. And so what they actually did is they went and filmed the interviews with all the people who knew her. I think she had a tragic life. I don't think she's alive anymore. Mm. I'm not sure. But the, they interviewed like her daughters and the people in her life. But when, but instead of seeing those as, as uh, talking heads as a film, they actually got actors to lip sync all of the interviews, but in the environment of in scenic settings of of the the housing estate, the council housing estate where she is. So they might be out there at the playground on a grim day, ramshackle stuff around, and they're telling the story, but they're lip syncing the actual recorded interview with the real participant. Or they're, t- you know, it's like very, it's like partly dramatized and partly as if you're catching these people out there um, in the real rooms on the estate. Interesting. I thought I, it seems like that seems familiar somehow. Maybe I heard a review of it on NPR years ago or something like that. But I think it was one of Film Spotting's first Golden Brick Award thing that they do, where they pick like a sleeper indie sort of mm. film. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So we've 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 covered uh, thirty two short films. Mm-hmm. It's in, true. In almost the same amount of time. <laughs> Maybe we should have just uh, put on do. the soundtrack or or, or played the, the film. <laughs> yes. Now we should we do a reaction video? Further divorce we, we should... it from its context and just complete remove the visualizations entirely. <laughs> or we could do YouTube reaction videos of oh. us watching thirty-two short yeah. films and talking about it. That's true. We could do that. And then do a reaction video to the reaction video of us mm. watching 32 short films about Glenn Gould. Yes. But let's not do that. Let's not do that. I think that's all we have. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, sticking it out with us through all 32. Maybe even, maybe we gave you 38 short films by 64. the time. 64. We gave you twice the short films as the original 128. short films. <laughs> if you like what gallon. we're up to it's which, a gallon of short films it's a, uh, okay I'm not sure if, if we're in metrics or, or no uh, a gallon uh, is, uh, is uh, English standard, uh, standard yeah. uh, um, anyway <laughs> if you liked what you heard join us again next time um, it's not always me uh, blabbing about some movie I like sometimes it's Ashley although Canadians use leaders so Okay, we're still yeah. talking about yeah, measurements. Sorry about that. I'm not talking about measurements anymore. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to uh, thank everybody for listening. It's base 10. It's base 10. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to end this, but it won't work. Um, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> find us on your favorite podcast app on Spotify or Apple Music and like us and subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Drop us an email at shutupwatchthis at gmail.com. Um, you can argue with us. You can tell us that uh, you can tell us why we're all wrong about 32, about how many variations there are in the Goldberg variations and why we don't know what we're talking about. Um, we love it when you tell us we don't know what we're talking about. And uh, we will see you again, but not actually see you again because it's a podcast next time. Bye. Bye.